Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I am Maria Retan. It's great to be here with you today, and I'm so glad you could join me. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern, and each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman, of course. Well, today we're going to talk about reaching um, hard-to-reach consumers, especially those of minority populations. And I know um, if you're like me and you look around, you, you recognize that minority groups are becoming larger and more pervasive throughout our country. And in fact, this year in the presidential election, I am sure that their voice will be learned um, how be heard loud and clear. Um, in fact, the U.S. Census Bureau bears this out. In fact, it says that by mid-century, um, the nation will be more racially and ethnically diverse, as well as much older. Minorities um, now roughly make about one-third of the U.S. population and are expected to become the major- majority in 2042, which is not too terribly long from now. Um, the nation's projected to be the 54% minority in 2050. So um, by 2023, now I know these are a lot of numbers, minorities will comprise more than half of all children. So you can see this is kind of what's going to be happening over the next 20, 30 years. We're going to be seeing much more diversity in the country, um, a lot more different languages being spoken. Um, I'm sure our educational foundation will be changing dramatically as well. In fact, right now, Hispanics remain the largest minority group, with blacks second at 40.7 million in 2007, last U.S. Census poll. Um, And in fact, um, the population increased 1.4 million to 45.5 million last year. That's the Hispanic population. So large numbers of Hispanics um, quickly outpacing African Americans. And when it comes to um, Hispanic women, there's a large, large number of them. According to Pew, 14.4 million of Hispanic adults in the United States are women. That's 48%. So a lot of women out there with a lot of spending power for companies who are looking to woo women. And in fact, a lot of companies are wooing the minority uh, woman. Betty Crocker, in fact, has kind of gone toward African Americans. And in fact, I found this really interesting. I was I was reading about this in Yankelovich Monitor. Um, to boost dreary cornbread sales, Betty Crocker decided to incorporate elements of African American culture. And in fact, they they even changed the name. I thought this was really interesting. Authentic cornbread and muffin mix, because African Americans tend to call it cornbread as opposed to corn muffins. So they did a lot of data, obviously, a lot of research into determining exactly what to call their product to appeal to African Americans. They even revised the packaging to show cornbread baking in a skillet, and that's really how most American African Americans cook cornbread, if you didn't know that. 
Um, they actually also uh, went after B. Smith, who, if you know anything about soul food restaurants, uh, B. Smith um, is a rest- restaurateur who let Betty Crocker use her image on the package. And she was actually signed up as a spokeswoman for Serving Up Soul, which is the company's efforts to provide African-American women with ethnically relevant recipe ideas. So that's what General Mills is doing out there today. Unilever is going after Hispanic uh, marketing with their Live Better campaign. It's a new bilingual custom publication, a website, and television segments that are running on Spanish-language television. And Unilever is leveraging its personal care and food brands to inform and entertain Hispanic women with the interactive initiative. Now, that's according to marketingmedios.com, which uh, just released this a little bit earlier in the year. Well, our first profile today is the minority mom, which is as a Hispanic mom. We chose to kind of focus on the Hispanic mom with at least two kids in the home. And the reason for that is because of the huge numbers um, that we're seeing in the growth of Hispanic women. Median age is 48. Again, like I said, two kids in the home. Median household income is about $45,000. You can find most of these women in the South, 37%. Midwest is at 22%. Cities like Houston, L.A., Miami, San, San Antonio, Cleveland, and Chicago seen a lot of Hispanics, especially Hispanic women. Now, when it comes to attitudes, they're bracing both the American and their native cultures. So they're kind of riding the fence. They keep up with Latin music, news and sports. They celebrate Hispanic holidays, but they also celebrate U.S. national holidays and keep up with American music, news and sports. Their family, of course, is the number one priority. They love spending time with their family. They like to spend a quiet evening at home with them. They have a great sense of duty to themselves, their family, and their country, and religion plays a key part in their life. They really like to do it yourself. So companies out there who have kind of that do-it-yourselfer mentality know that Hispanic women feels like she's, she's good at fixing things. She likes to improve her home, and she likes control over people and resources. Now, shopping is a chore. She really isn't into shopping, especially not for herself. And when she does shop, it really comes down to price. She shops favorite stores because of the price or if it's on sale. And she likes to shop locally as well because it's quick and easy. Now, when she is shopping, she likes to go to Big Lots, Kmart, Toys R Us, Burlington Coat Factory, and Payless Shoes, Um, household products, Spick and Span uh, actually came up as a big one, Ajax and Comet, and cosmetics for CoverGirl, Max Factor, Olay, and Avon. Now, where can you connect with this woman? Where is she? Now, we know that Unilever feels like that she's online, but we actually found that the target did not seem to be a large consumer of the Internet, or at least not the ones that we found. They are reading a lot of magazines, such as Family Circle, Good Housekeeping, Prevention, Parenting, Country Living. Uh, They're watching cable like Fox News Channel, Hallmark, Inspiration Network, SoapNet, and Lifetime. But when they are on websites, as we found, they're looking at eBay, Yahoo, MapQuest, and Disney. So, as I said at the top of the show, our topic today is reaching hard-to-reach consumers. And my guest for this program certainly knows about that. Dwayne Benson is the Executive Director of MELF, which stands for the Minnesota Early Learning Foundation. Dwayne and his team is faced with a big task. They need to educate an immigrant population about a crucial need while overcoming speaking and ethnic barriers. MELF's success could impact companies' employment base for decades to come, especially with the data that I shared with you 
more and more minorities will be employed in this country over the next three to four decades. So coming up when Purse Strings returns, find out how Dwayne is connecting with those hard-to-reach consumers in just a few minutes. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com? Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, Amazon, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart. had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Flashback, November 16th, 2004. The beginning of WebmasterRadio.fm and its immediate impact on the internet business world. Today, WebmasterRadio.fm has become one of the fastest growing internet media outlets on the planet. Our trade show coverage is second to none. We have brought you speeches and interviews from the most influential names in search, affiliate marketing, and public relations. Eric Schmary, Andrew Hank, John Battelle, Keith Ferraz, Jim Lanza, Jason Calacanis, and that's just the beginning. Trade show coverage on demand now at webmasterradio.fm. The whoring of Facebook for promotional purposes continues with the webmasterradio.fm Facebook fan page. Join our fans by clicking the Facebook logo on the webmasterradio.fm homepage and keep up to date with all the latest. Become a fan on Facebook. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today is Dwayne Benson, Executive Director for MELF, which stands for Minnesota Early Learning Foundation. Dwayne is a trustee for the Minnesota State Colleges and Universities and served in the Minnesota Senate, was the Senate Minority Leader. Now, Dwayne has a very eclectic background, having played 11 seasons in the NFL as linebacker for the Oakland Raiders, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Houston Oilers. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Maria. I'm uh, pleased to be here. Well, very, very happy to have you talking about a very important 
uh, topic today, which is education and especially educating minority populations. You know, it's interesting. Um, the RNC just wrapped up this past week. They were in town for their big convention. I'm sure education was at the forefront there, and I felt it was really timely to be talking about education, especially here in Minnesota when all eyes of the country has been turned to St. Paul specifically. Um, now, I know your background, as I said, is very, very eclectic, and we haven't had a former professional football player on the program before. Um, how does a former pro athlete come to lead a nonprofit committed to early childhood education, Dwayne? Well, as I think about the players that I played with, um, there was uh, Deacon Jones, I think, took up embroidery uh, and sold <laughs> his pieces all over. I think there was a guy with Cincinnati, Michael Morris, who picked up a guitar and became a classical uh, guitar player. Uh, this is really not tied to that. My uh, experience and my history in the uh, Minnesota legislature as a Senate Republican leader was always, how do you keep your economy really strong and vibrant? As I interact with, interacted with a lot of large companies, uh, there was kind of this constant refrain about uh, how are we going to have enough uh, skilled workers. Immigration, per se, is not a new phenomenon. In fact, my grandfather came over here from Sweden. The difference is uh, my grandfather could come over from Sweden, pick up a shovel or a hammer, and uh, support a family. Our uh, economy now is more dependent upon higher skills, uh, technology, and those kinds of things. As you said in the introduction, I'm also on the state college and university board, and we find the pipeline kind of drying up that's coming into our higher education, our post-secondary setting. And so all of these kind of tie together, and for me, the interest in it is how do you keep sustaining the economy? We have the greatest or the highest percentage of women in the workplace of any state in the union. Now, daycare, those kinds of terms were historically used uh, uh, to recognize that and where we, what are we going to do with these kids while both of the parents work. That has shifted from how do we uh, really stimulate these kids. Ninety percent of brain development occurs before the age of five. And so the kind of stimulation that we can give these children and move from daycare to early childhood uh, education is terribly important, and it's all about school readiness. And that's really why MALF came into being, isn't it? And it, it is yes. a, short, a relatively short-term project. Do you want to talk a little bit about the lifespan for MELF? Yes, we, uh, we uh, have been in business a little bit over two years. We will sunset the last day of 2011. Our mission is a fairly simple one. It's to find the most cost-effective ways to prepare children at risk for kindergarten that can be brought to scale. So we're doing a, a whole series of pilot programs. Um, the whole linchpin in this is how do you keep parents involved, particularly mothers. Um, when you cited some of the challenges with uh, different populations early on in this show, it, that's exactly what we're dealing with. So the pilots that we have, well over half of these children do not speak English. Over 60% of the parents uh, have never seen a computer. So the ways to reach these people uh, are much different than they would be for the general population. Having said that, the results are about the same if you can reach the right people, 
and we think in large part uh, that's the mother. And so we approach uh, a lot of these mothers before the child is born. Mm -hmm. There's ways to identify um, mothers before the children are born, give them good information. One, One pilot we have is here's the information that if you read your child before it's born, after it's born, turn off the TV, hold them, communicate, we then give that parent a scholarship for their child at age three. And then they can select the uh, early childhood education experience from a series of providers that we have rated, uh, one star, two star, three star, four star. And uh, what we're finding just early on is the more information you give them, they make good decisions. And then we, we provide the scholarship for them to make those decisions. And it's really about being able to communicate with this mom, and I think you're right in trying to reach out to the mom because the mom in a lot of these cultures are the gateway to the child, and you've talked a little bit about the barriers in communication with the mom, the fact that a lot of them, it, it, they don't speak English, obviously, would be number one. But one of the things that I found interesting is some of the language um, just can't be read. Is that correct as well? Yeah, one of the uh, phenomenons that we've discovered somewhat after we got into the process was, for example, in St. Paul, a large growth of the Burmese population. They speak a language called, uh, and you can de- pronounce this a lot of different ways, Karen or Karen, like the woman's name, K-A-R-E-N. Uh, it's really not a written language. It's provided some challenges for us as we try to communicate with those parents, particularly mothers, and we have to do it pretty much one-to-one through an interpreter. We also have challenges with language with some other recent immigrants where they're not real functional or literate in their own language. So a, a handout, a printed document, whatever it is, if they're not real skilled in their own language, it makes it much harder, again, uh, then requires some kind of a direct communication um, with an uh, interpreter, etc. And then one of the bigger picture kind of uh, uh, challenges we have around language is most of our evaluation is done in English. Now, a lot of these children uh, do not speak English. Their parents don't speak English. What we're finding early on, though, is the capacity to learn at that early age is that a lot of these children are bilingual by the time they go to kindergarten. And so we can evaluate them. So all of that language is a recognition about uh, the newness uh, of immigration, but it's not limited to uh, new uh, visitors to our country. It's also our historic populations. And if there's a focal point that ties it all together, it's generally poverty. Right, exactly. It's kind of the the baseline, the core base Mm -hmm. there. Now, obviously big companies, you've managed to recruit some sponsors with, with big corporations. Why, why is it that big business is so interested in what MELF is trying to do? Well, I think it's a, a number of reasons. Some of it, I, I hope, is just uh, the social responsibility, but it's also bigger than that. I think that they're looking for return on investment uh, in their board meetings. I think they call it ROI. And the, it's been demonstrated that if this is done properly and getting kids ready for school, that the return on investment is about a 16% annual. 
it's the best investment, particularly in the market we have today, that you'll ever find. And so that return on investment is a direct measurement of, uh, of uh, better economic opportunities for that family, uh, less prison costs, less welfare costs, less costs to the education system, less special, special education. So I think that's kind of an immediate, and then all of these companies are also uh, looking out into the future and saying, how are we going to have enough skilled employees? And what they've concluded is that we prepare them early and we will have that opportunity. So that coupled with, uh, I'm sure they all sell some kind of a product, they would like to see people with money in their pocket, and that's usually tied to some educational achievement as well. You used figures earlier, I think, that were very interesting. Um, And let me build on them a bit without worrying out our audience. But if you take the United States of America and you take 2003 to 2013, that 10-year span, we're about in the middle of it, the country will see an increase in high school graduates of about 4.3%. The upper Midwest will see a decline in high school graduates of about 3.3%. And the state of Minnesota will see a decline in high school graduates of a little over 10%. Mm -hmm. So as you look at that kind of raw numbers, it really does pose the question, how can you sustain the economy? And the answer is we can't uh, afford to have throwaways anymore. We have to get everybody ready. And the earlier we intervene, the earlier uh, we get that parental involvement, the earlier we start engaging and growing uh, those small minds, the better chances we are to, we have to survive in the appropriate way. Well, obviously, if companies are smart, they're thinking like you are, and they're getting on board with that because they will soon find themselves with not enough of a, an, an intelligent, informed, educated employment base, and then they're going to be in a world of hurt because they're going to be competing for the same for the same educated employees as everyone else is. And I know um, there's been a philosophy for a long time that we need to grow our own. And in this state, I know historically Minnesota has done a good job at that. Do you think that Minnesota slid backwards in that effort, or do you think that the challenges posed today are just so much more challenging than perhaps they were 10, 20 years ago? Oh, I don't uh, romance with the past or the future. I just think it's a different it's a different situation. I think that if you look at the his, history of Minnesota's economy, up at upper Midwest, generally speaking, when kind of the Industrial Revolution rolled in, what it really did is it freed up a lot of farm kids. Mm-hmm. And they, they moved to the metropolitan areas, and they knew how to work, and they had brain stimulation. They had all of these uh, wonderful uh, attributes, and they kind of sustained... Uh, the industrial growth, a lot of those things happened. Now we're seeing our our uh, our employee, our workforce base, if you will, leaving the workforce at a much faster rate than we're replenishing. And it's a different challenge. It's a different input, if you will, into the economy with these young people. So it, it's not a, a case of... Uh, wishing for yesteryear or any of those other things. We can do this. We just have to recognize that it's a different population. 
they're going to learn differently, but the same principles are still there. Uh, early interaction with the parent or parents, um, stimulation before the age of five, brain growth development. If that happens, they will generally uh, read by the age of three. Half of the kids right now are not ready for kindergarten. Of, the, of that half, roughly half of those uh, catch up, if you will. So we have like that 20, 25% that don't read in third grade. You can fairly accurately predict they will drop out in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can fairly predict, in fact, I think Tennessee and California, they build prison space based on third grade reading. Amazing. Just amazing that there can be that. It's accurate. So what we're trying to do is go upstream, change those behavior patterns, uh, help people out, uh, and then we believe we're all winners then. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk to Dwayne Benson a little bit about how MELF might be a model for other states. So stick around. More purse strings when we return in just a minute. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Jeez, another year with no refund from the IRS. I got a nice chunk of change this year. I'm buying a new car and I'm going to Fiji. How in the world did you do that? I got in on TaxBrain.com's affiliate program. And it's easy to make big money during tax season just by bringing them other people paying their taxes. TaxBrain.com? How does that work? With TaxBrain.com's affiliate program, I command a huge payday with their nitro payouts because I get paid for leads as well as sales. That sounds easy. How do you do it? They give me all the tools it takes, like dedicated publisher support, analytics capabilities, custom tracking and creative services, and so much more that I need to make money the easy way. Wow. With 140 million households paying taxes every year, I bet there's no shortage of business all season long. Now you got the idea. Make money off the tax man. How do I find out more? Visit TaxBrain.com forward slash affiliates to find out more. TaxBrain.com, America's online tax service. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. Oh, wise master, I've climbed up this mountain to seek your wisdom. Yes, how can I help you, my son? I've traveled far to ask why my business isn't growing. You are on top of this mountain when you should be on topnichenetworks.com. But I need answers. You should be on topnichenetworks.com, specializing in direct marketing and lead generation as well as list management. Topnichenetworks.com has exclusives and leading payouts. They welcome new affiliates with hot offers. We don't seem to get the results we need at a price we can afford. Topnichenetworks.com will work on a performance-only basis, so you only pay for results. TopNicheNetworks.com has the answers that you've been seeking for making your business a success on a performance-only basis. And that's a good thing, because my butt's falling asleep. The Daily Searchcast. Oh, no, my other phone's ringing. Um, oh, I don't know how to turn that off. Oh, no, go away. <laughs> okay, no, oh. <laughs> Hang on, Marshall. I gotta... Yeah. <laughs> Technical difficulties in the new house. The Daily Searchcast, 
only on webmasterradio.fm. Jim Hedger and Dave Davies bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Webcology, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I'm joined today by Dwayne Benson, Executive Director of MELF, which stands for Minnesota Early Learning Foundation. And we've been speaking a lot this morning about um, really what's been going on in the area of minority populations and getting these minority populations who are challenged to read and understand English to really prepare themselves and their children for entering school. And that's really been the, the mission and vision of MELF. And and, Dwayne, I know that we've been talking about how companies have really gotten on board because they understand the challenges of the next 10, 20, 30 years, uh, getting um, populations prepared to enter the workforce. Do you think companies, um, customers, understand and appreciate and reward the companies um, who are involved in big issues such as this? Do you think that there is a payback, an ROI of that form for companies uh, as well? I think that remains to be seen. Uh, hopefully uh, there will be... Uh some of that occur, I don't think these companies are entering into it with that in mind. I, I think that will become somewhat self-evident as as we march along. But I don't think the companies necessarily are saying, uh, reward us for being wonderful. A lot of these companies are not retail. Uh, the retail companies obviously want to be recognized as a pillar in the in the community, um, most of these companies uh, that are uh, involved in this effort are uh, multi-state. They're in almost every state in the union, as well as uh, countries around the world, as many as 90 different countries. So some of that, I suspect, will happen naturally. But I think what they're really after now is how do you reduce the costs, prison costs, etc., those things we talked about earlier, and at the same time, how do you get a, a better workforce, uh, a, a more skilled workforce, and then create uh, an environment where people have money in their pockets and buy products? You know, MELF is really a pioneer in this area, and I, I know that you're, you're being watched by other states to see how successful MELF will be. What are you doing right now to, to help share your, your success stories, or at least your progress right now with other states? Well, we haven't actively uh, sought out uh, recognition or uh, some type of an approval or interact with other states. They've come to us. Mm-hmm. So one of our uh, board members, a uh, retired executive with Cargill, has been to Connecticut and Maine uh, and Pennsylvania. I'm going to uh, Colorado this month. I uh, will be or have been part of the Republican National Convention around this issue. Uh, we ha- also have uh, had one person go to uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, who is interested in this. Uh, and there are a number of other states. I think what makes our experience a little bit unique is other states are are kind of pondering this problem. What makes it unique here uh, is the corporate involvement. Um, the CEOs on our board, uh, I think, are 
other jurisdictions find that quite astounding. And so they would like to, to the greatest extent possible, replicate that. So we're getting a lot of interest from a lot of different uh, quarters throughout the country and even outside of the country, some of it tied to uh, a bit of a folk hero in this movement, who is Art Rolnick at the Federal Reserve, who has spoke widely and written widely about the return on investment of correctly uh, getting kids ready for school. Well, and I would imagine, too, that while MELF is going to, to be an, a prime example of what you can do in, in getting children ready for school, I would imagine that it could also be a model for solving other non-education type problems as well because you've really galvanized, as you said, those corporate leaders. Do you, do you feel that MELF can be a model for something other than education? Yeah, Maria, I think that's a that's an excellent point. It's certainly not anything that, that we consciously think about much, but um, I find this somewhat of a unique experience in as much as this conversation has been about that involvement by businesses in helping to solve a problem. Um, you're starting to see buildings uh, go up that businesses are putting up that are now termed as green buildings. No one made them do it. Uh, they're solving this problem. Some of the retail companies are uh, are making a hard and firm policy not to cut any virgin timber. They're doing all of those things for a reason. Now, some of those reasons are to be a good corporate citizen, to create a positive mindset for consumers, but they're also uh, being responsible. So in answer to your question, I think this uh, has the potential to be a a really hard model about how to solve problems. Now, I suspect a lot of us uh, look at government oftentimes, and I was in it, um, and say, gee, willikers, why don't they ever solve any problems? <laughs> well, I think their margins are, are very close, you know, on what they agree on and all those other things. And I think business can help solve those problems. Ultimately, our findings with all of these pilots will be consumed uh, by the public sector and by uh, foundations who fund these things. And we'll be able to say to them, if you want the biggest return on your investment, here's what we would recommend. So it is ultimately down the line somewhere a bit of a partnership. Absolutely, and a very successful one. And I congratulate you on the great work that you're doing here in the state of Minnesota. And hopefully, MELF can be a model for solving other states' issues around education and even perhaps eventually other non-education problems. I think it's a fantastic model. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You're very welcome. It's a great, great pleasure to talk to you. And thanks to my producer, George, for a flawless show today. And join me next Tuesday when I'm joined by Eliza Freud of She Speaks. Eliza will share insight on how companies can strike gold and move their businesses forward with the help of a few thousand women. And that's next Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern. Until then, appreciate you joining me today. Make it a great one.